Happy Doll Podcast, and I've got a really cool guest uh, this morning, and um, we've got, uh, Michael, we've got a five-day training going, so we've got people all around here. You're in a cool studio, and Fantastic. Uh, it's pretty awesome. So uh, for those that uh, will tune in, we're going to kind of give you a, a little um, customer relationship imprinting. Uh, this is a really cool, matter of fact, I went through it. I've read a lot of it already. I did it very quickly, then I'm going to do a thorough read. Congratulations on the book. Thanks so much. Pretty awesome. So let's go back to, uh, we've been friends since we were teenagers. Yeah, it's been a minute, right? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. And so uh, it's pretty cool to watch uh, your career blossom and, you know, your life grow and uh, you move on to uh, to what you've done, you know, your, for, for a career and so forth. And to see um, it come out in a book. Uh, it's pretty amazing. And I think, I think this event's going to be pretty impactful uh, on people. So before we well, jump into that, I, I want to share something. On, you bet, man. I want to share something with everybody right now. Is today's a really special day. So, Mike, it's cool to have you here with us. Is uh, Today is our youngest daughter, Darren's uh, 18th birthday. So, Darren, we love you. Happy birthday, baby. It seems like uh, just yesterday she's been an absolute uh, – blessing she's just such a warm person and uh she's just blessed my life so darren uh happy birthday so so uh you know, we're gonna chris would you mind reading just a little bit of uh, i mean your resume yeah, I, was, I was gonna say i was gonna bring up a picture of darren but the system's not letting me it did this to me the other day too so i gotta figure that one out so my side it was a it was a technical difficulty you know yeah well so, you know we're, we're not we're not we're not immune to it on my side either. <laughs> no, so let's go over a little bit about it, and we'll have Michael jump in and tell us a little bit about himself. And then we're going to jump right into some pretty cool questions that we've got <clears throat> in relationship to this book because it's pretty pretty hardcore. I can't wait to dive into it. So, uh, so yeah, so you know, Michael sent me over a, a cool bio of himself, and uh, you know, he. Uh, uh, so this is Michael Barnett, and um, he is a connector of people and ideas, which I'm excited to learn more about. Um, <clears throat> he's a, a speaker, a trainer, and a marketing professional, and um, <clears throat> he's helped businesses over the years develop their brand and advertising initiatives. So, uh, but uh, one of the things that uh, he focuses on is customer service. And, you know, customer service is really important to all of us in our detailing world and our, our kind of blue collar world. So uh, anyway, he's a he's an expert in the customer service field. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing his unique perspective um, in that world. So, you know, we so, go back, Michael, we started out as teenagers together. So what's life been since then? Tell us about yourself. Well, quick uh Quick 30, 40 year recap, right? Uh, right. So yeah, out of high school, um, yeah, just trying to find my place in the world. For years, I was involved uh, with brand development, had a brand development company. Um, I, I married when I was about 25. I've been married to the same wonderful woman for 30 years. We just celebrated 30 years uh, last year. And we have two adult uh, daughters. Uh, Cheyenne and Roxy. And so, yeah, kind of like you, you kind of watch them grow and ask kind of where did the time go, right? Absolutely. And so for me, you know, professionally, um, I was noticing in the brand world and in the advertising world, a lot of brand promises were being broken or being dropped at the customer service um, space. And so started kind of delving into that and realized there's this whole um, misconception and, and um, several challenges that come with the customer service piece. And so really took my, my focus into the customer service space. And so that's, that's where I've been and what I've been working on. And, you know, as you know, you wrote a book. Um, I've told people it's probably the closest thing I'll ever know to giving birth. <laughs> you know, it's quite, quite an undertaking. And so, um, so happy to have the book coming out in April. Uh, Sound Wisdom is the publisher and they're, they're just great folks. I really appreciate them coming alongside and uh, they've done people like uh, Napoleon Hill, um, Zig Ziglar, Jeffrey Gittimore. And so I was really humbled to, to, to be invited to uh, work with them on this book. So that's an amazing that's a quick recap. Jeffrey, Jeffrey's one of my favorite uh, authors. So to be in that level, you know, that's pretty cool. You know, really proud of you. 
Um, so the, what's the definition of six-sided service? Yeah, so I named, I named my company Six-Sided Service because as I started that process of looking at businesses that were consistently delivering exceptional service, I want to find what are the commonalities? You know, you look at the Ritz-Carlton, Disney, um, even Chick-fil-A, like what are the commonalities? And I was able to boil down six things that businesses that are known for exceptional service, six things that they do. And so I called the company Six-Sided Service because you need all six to really uh, make an impact on, on a consistent basis when it comes to your service. So that's kind of the, the genesis of that. Something really cool in the book that we talked about is, is uh, or the book talks about is customer relationship imprinting. And so go into that. What's that mean? I mean, it's, you know, we, uh, we hear about, maybe some, some people haven't heard about imprinting and so forth, but get into a little bit. I love that part of the book. I mean, I love the whole book, but, the, the customer relationship imprinting, what's, what's that mean? Yeah, great question. Um, so, you know, we hear a lot about customer loyalty. Can't go anywhere talking about customer service. You don't hear about customer loyalty, but you've never heard about imprinting. And the word imprinting, we've kind of heard it before in psychology. We think about a baby duckling following the first person or thing it sees. You know, customer relationship imprinting, however, it's really not about first impressions. It's about having such an impact on your customers that they will choose you regardless of other options that are available to them. And, and the formal definition of customer relationship imprinting is the ability to attract, acquire, and retain more customers that will follow you regardless of circumstances. And so that's in a nutshell what customer relationship imprinting is, and it involves those six pieces. So when you're doing those six um, elements, we call them collectively, you achieve what I call customer relationship imprinting. So I dig it. I dig it. You know, and it's, that's got to be, I mean, a lot of people think about things that we're talking about right now. And, you know, we're in the blue collar sector, right? And I want to get out right now and see and get your input on this. This isn't on our notes, but, you know, a lot of people think when, when we're talking to, you know, professionals like yourself, oh man, all this sounds expensive, but really you, you can start this a lot of times it's by being polite, you know, yeah, it's, it, the it, it's interesting because, you know, everybody looks at the investment first. There's kind of two sides of that. They look at number one. Oh yeah. What's this going to cost me with my time? What's it going to cost me with my energy? What's it going to cost me out of my, out of my pocketbook? Um, and then there's the other side of the people say, well, we don't really need it. We're, we do pretty good. Right. And so we do pretty good. We do pretty good. That rolls me right in. I heard this on a TV segment that you did, um, is that most companies think they're already offering outstanding service. You know, it's because they're in that bubble, right? They're in their own bubble. Of course they outstanding service. But you did a lot of research on this. What did you find out? It, it's, it's fascinating. One of, the, one of the challenges I have when I just talk to people about customer service, they get that glazed look over like, oh, yeah, I, we're already doing that. And in fact, when you kind of get under the surface, a lot of people are providing what's called, I would say, acceptable service. You know, it's reasonable price, reasonable delivery of time and, and all that, but it doesn't really produce acceptable results. And so, you know, Bain and company did uh, a, a research and asked 362 business leaders, does your company deliver superior service? And not surprisingly, 80% of them said, absolutely. So they went to 3,000 of the customers of those 362 folks and, and asked them, are you receiving superior service from these businesses? And the percentage was quite a bit different. Only 8% said, yes, we're getting superior service. So it's a big enough gap that it really should get our attention and thinking about our service. And there's, there's also a certain amount of humility that it takes to look at your business and say, where can we do better? What can we do differently? And so absolutely, that's, that's something that people need to start off by looking and say, okay, what can we do to have exceptional service, not just acceptable service? Yeah, and you know, we, we, when we're done with our, you know, we're, we're around our clients, we ask for a no joke. Hey, man, how did we make it? You don't have to say it a year, but we need to hear the weak spots. I, I, we, I think we know what the great spots are. That doesn't concern me. I want to know what the weak spots are. What are we not delivering on? You know, where do we... And, it, and it's, you cringe, right? Your teeth, your jaw locks up because, you know, you put so much into your business. But, right, you right. know, for instance, we had a, a gentleman make some 
powerful suggestions a little over a year ago. And really, it changed the course of our training by we probably 20%. 20% of our of what we offer was changed up. Doesn't mean it was bad. It was really good. But he saw a way that we could be better. And we did it. And I want to tell you, it wasn't an easy pill to swallow. You right. know? Well, good you for know? you that you kind of are hearing the people that you're serving, right? At the end of the day, um, they're really the ones that um, are can give you a an opinion that matters because they've had the experience. And Absolutely. I think a lot of people opt into, well, you know, we saw our customer comments on Yelp or we saw that. And, you know, one of the reasons I called the book customer relationship imprinting, because that relationship is really what's key. Right. And so it's great that you've kind of invited your um, your customers or your 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 trainers or people that are attending your class to give feedback because that's the only way we get better. And I would also say the stuff that you're doing good, maybe it's expanding that, you know, it's not just making the bad stuff better, but taking the good stuff and making it great. Right. Absolutely. You know, I went through a, a military leadership course this last, last week. Okay. Um, you know, I'm getting long in tooth in age compared to some of these soldiers uh, in business. My whole career, I mean, going back when both of us were youngsters coming out of, out of, of, uh, out of high school and moving on in our lives is I always wanted to better myself, you know, and I've always asked that question, but as you get, you might be listening to this when you're young, you don't know it all. Okay. You really don't. When you're old, you don't know it all. I don't know. You, know? you knew me when I was young. I knew everything when I was younger. <laughs> we thought we did. Well, my right. point to that is, is that as we season in business, whether you're seasoned in years or you're seasoned in business. doesn't matter. You could be a, are you a, a 20 year veteran doing it like a rookie or a rookie doing it like a 20 year veteran? And because there is both, you know, there are people out there that are right out of the gate. They're pretty slick, pretty smart, but it never hurts to look back. And, and in this leadership, the, the, what, what I found interesting this last week was I was humbled. It's here. I've got this a massive years of, 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 of knowledge and I learned so much. So don't ever, you know, discount. That's what I got out of your book uh, yesterday was that is that I've always got more to learn. And just picking up your book and going through it instantly, uh, you know, my sponge is being filled, my empty sponge. Yeah. I squeezed yeah. everything out when I opened your book and started sucking everything out of it that I could to make our business better. So Moving on, you, you've got something. I love this. I love this. Relationship Velcro. I just absolutely love that term. So let's dive into that a little bit. It's not, I love in the book, in, in your video, it's not just a, 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 you didn't say, you didn't say customer Velcro. You said relationship Velcro because it's not yeah. just customers. It's your staff too. So dive into that a little bit. Yeah, I know. Relational Velcro is is really what we all want to achieve with um, with our customers and with our staff. And relational Velcro happens, you know, you think about two pieces of Velcro, you have the side that has the hooks on it. And the other side that has kind of all the little fibers. The more Absolutely. contact points you have, the harder it is to get that Velcro apart. Right. It's my hope that people would think of their relationship as they're those hooks and their customers are those fibers and trying to really achieve more meaningful contact with their customers, not just more contact, not just selling more, not just transactional relationship stuff, but really having contact that's more meaningful with those customers. For example, I, uh, I had an issue um, at my home where every day of the week that I'd come home when the trash was uh, being taken, the trash cans would be left in the middle of my driveway. And I thought, have I made the trash guy mad? Like what's going on? And, and so I finally, I set up a camera and sure enough, it's the same guy. I'm like, what's going on? So I called in and said, you know, what is going on with my trash cans? Every time I come home, it's in the middle of the driveway. Well, I get a knock at the door and it's the supervisor for, uh, for the city. And he said, Hey, I got your message. I want to let you know that our driver does that because if he pulls up next to your curb, he's going to damage your tree. And so he actually does that not to damage your tree. And I thought, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. He could have he could have had dispatch handle that. He could have had a note sent to my door. But he got, the guy came knocking on my door and delivered some of that relational Velcro. Right. And so all of a sudden, my 
demeanor, my attitude, everything changed because this guy took that extra step. And it's that kind of experience that we're seeking with our customers. You know, he doesn't get paid any more or less if I am mad about, you know, trash service, but he knew the secret that it's really about relational Velcro and having more meaningful relationships and meaningful interactions rather. So yeah, you know, that's something that. It, this is free. It, yeah. it, to do the right thing doesn't cost anything, you know, or very little. The investment's very little. The biggest investment is making the decision to do it and to knowing about it. Some people don't know about it. You know, they haven't brought up, maybe they launched a company and, you know, they worked for somebody else and they, you know, they, they, they answered the bell that their bosses rang, you know, so they've never had to lead in like this. So that, that's huge. Um, well, one of the things about the, the customer relationship piece, Randy, is that, you know, we've all been customers our whole life. So we think it's a given. Okay. We know what it's about. It's like, if I, if you said, you know, Mike Barnett's coming to talk about how to breathe, you know, people are like, I know how to breathe. That's the same way with customer service. People make this assumption. Oh, yeah, I know about customer service. But when you start really digging into what it really is, it's the stuff that you're talking about. It's it's that humility that you experienced when you were in this training recently. It's about hearing what people are really saying um, behind the words they're using. And so, yeah, if we can do that, we start really getting a different respect for the ability to consistently deliver exceptional service. And that's a whole different thing. It's a whole different mindset. God, I love it. So you talk about an internal switch, you know, being turned on, being turned off. Jump into that because I love that analogy. And because it is an internal switch. Yeah. So it, it's funny. I, I knew when I wrote this part of the book, I would get some blowback from people like, oh, yeah, you can turn on an internal service switch in an employee that all of a sudden they're a great employee. And that's not really um, what it is. So what I call the internal service switch is each one of us has at the base of our brain called the reticular activating system. And really that's a filter that God puts in there. So we don't have to respond to every stimuli that comes our way. Otherwise we'd go crazy. We'd hear, you know, the rubbing of our, our clothing on us. We'd hear ourselves breathing. We'd hear, you know, a fly on the way. And we just, we'd literally go crazy. There's million, millions of pieces of information coming into our brain. And so we've been designed. So we really only respond or filter through three things. And we can hear and respond to everything, but it's those three things that really get our attention. And advertisers know this, and most people know this, but the first is the things we value. And if you've noticed, you know, I, like I said, I recently moved. I haven't, you know, been able to go anywhere without noticing what homes look like, what interior design looks like. Now, it was always there, but it didn't, it wasn't a value to me until recently. So all of a sudden that the RES clicks in my brain and I, I see things that I value. And the second thing is the things that we fear. You know, if we're standing in a room and it's a crowded room, everybody's talking and you hear the word gun, even whispered, it gets your attention because we're set up that way. That filter responds to the things we fear. And then the third thing is kind of the novelty thing. And, you, you know, back in the day, you remember the National Enquirer, right? They would have headlines like three-legged man wins race, you know, and that stuff gets our attention because it's novelty. So what I suggest is, as you're looking at employees, okay, you know, fear is not something you want to use with employees. That's not going to get you a long-term uh, service situation that you're going to be pleased with. You can't use novelty. So we want to work from a place of values. We want to look in, and find ways to connect with the values of the people that are working for us. And some of the ways you can do that is as simple as asking your staff, if we were to sponsor something, if we were to give you know, our time or money towards um, a 501c3 or do something, you know, for another organization, who would you want to do something for? And all of a sudden, you realize people have a vested interest and they start saying, oh, I'd love to, you know, I do work on the side for, you know, the homeless or I, or I work with vets or whatever it is. And you have to give people a mission bigger than their paycheck in terms of employees. And then you look and you see you have, the world watching what you're doing. Now, years ago, um, Steve Jobs, you know, we know he did some amazing things, of course, um, with technology, but one of the things that it's a little known story is he was able to get the president of Pepsi to leave Pepsi to join him in Mac in, in the early years. And he didn't do it by offering him more money. He sat with him and he simply said, are you gonna make soda, sugar water the rest of your life or do you wanna change the world? He gave him a mission bigger 
and something worth striving for. And so that's my encouragement as people are listening to this, that they would not just be thinking, about, okay, how can we make more money? What can we do to kind of, you know, get uh, more customers? What can you do to serve the people around you? And what kind of mission are you doing beyond just, you know, your business? And so those are things that I think are key as you, as you step into this idea of exceptional service. You know, you just, I'm taking notes as we're talking, which is pretty cool, right? And, and, and because, again, I, I tell people, hey, you know, I've done pretty well, both of us. Have you ever, in a, in a split second, stopped learning? Is there a day of no. your life that you're going to learn something? Yeah, if I do stop learning, I realize that I, I've just made the mistake, right? Of, of I think I know something that I don't, and I get humbled pretty quick. So, yeah. right. And so my point to that is, is that even in that training last week, you know, is a lot of it was leadership, right? At a military, at a high, a high level in the military, right? In the National Guard. Um, and what we, you know, our units do is civil support and so forth. What I love is I just found out, and, and the reason I said this is a lot of times it's not what you do that eyes can get on. It's what you do when eyes can't get on you. And I, I've got a good friend here locally in Big Bear, and I was talking to her yesterday, and I had no idea what her mission was behind the scenes. And she never told me about it. I, I organically found out about it. And what it did is it took the Velcro, your term, I, I put another, I put, I put a 10, 10 inch wide piece of Velcro between me and her. It just yeah. stuck me to this individual, which I do business with even more. Your staff are going to naturally see things that you're good things you're doing. Your staff are going to treat your, your customers the way you treat them many times. And so I love, I love what you're laying down because it's just, especially in the service side of business, you know, if you own a, a service yeah. business, this is just absolute magic. So, well, another I thing mean, I picked up, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So another thing I picked out of your book was everything's fine. You know, just <laughs> everything's fine. Um, right. I read that and I, I had to stop. I'll be honest. I stopped. You know, I was, I, was, I was reading through the book and I see a piece and I go, ooh, that one, I had to stop and read the whole section, you know, because it was like, boy, I've caught myself. And here it's, don't be ashamed. And, and I had to remember this when I got that, that tidbit of, 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 of a granule piece of, you know what happens when you're at the beach and you get a, a piece of sand in your mouth? Right. You know, if you wear contacts and you get something on there, when, when, when that person, Anthony, you know, I'll say his name right now. When Anthony gave me, it was, it's not even constructive criticism. It was constructive input. I had a piece of sand in my mouth. You know, it didn't feel comfortable. I had something behind my contact. It was discomfort. What happens when you have discomfort? You figure out a way to get comfortable again, right? But instead of taking and throwing the contact out, you know, or something like that, you clean it. You clean it up. You make it useful. You make it better. And this section right here, is I think that's where I was uh, when, I, when, when Anthony hit me up on some really good input on our business. So dive into that a little bit, would you? Yeah, it's funny. So I, I, I turned to the pages book because I, I wanted to make sure everybody got it, right? I want to make sure <laughs> it's the biggest type in the entire book, right? Because that is the challenge is, is we look and say it looks good. But, you know, when we look at statistics, it starts getting scary as we start examining really what's going on in the world of service. And, and one of those is, you know, they say that uh, uh, nine, 91% of people will leave your business, not do business with you anymore and not say a word. Right. For whatever reason, maybe they don't want to get into the issue with you. Maybe they, um, they just, they have uh, an issue with um, talking about a problem. They just want to go, but they'll go somewhere else. Yeah. You have 70% of people that, their journey in customer service is dictated about how they feel the service you're giving them. Think about that. It's not even the service you're giving them. It's how they feel about it. And mm. so the stakes start, start getting really high. You have, you know, 90% of people will, will find themselves leaving, or excuse me, 89% will find themselves leaving a business because they've had one bad experience. Now, are, are these fair things? No, but these are the realities that we live in. And so we need to be on the other side of that equation where people are coming to us because they had a bad experience somewhere else. And to your, your point earlier, you know, the return on investment for this is unreal because you have 
You have people that want to spend more money on marketing. And I've lived in the marketing world for a long time. And you want to throw more dollars at visibility. And that's great. But at the end of the day, there is no place that you can invest. So and I, I don't want to say so little because there's a lot to it because it's a lot of energy and it's a lot of um, intentionality. And as you do that, you'll see this exponential return on that. And so I would encourage people for no other reason to realize, wow, you can really get a greater return, not just on your dollars, but on your relationships as you invest in the service part of things. So, God, that's huge. We have a saying, uh, I love this. Is in, in this, when I read that section of, the, of your book, is that everything's fine. As I said, oh my God, it's launch the planes, train the pilots. You know, because we think about just right off the piggyback off what you just said. We think about, oh man, more exposure, more business, more income, more, more people. Can your customer service, your culture support that? Get good at what you're doing with those customers you've got right now. They'll probably feed you so much business just by, because they, I, I don't like, they're going to become fans. Yeah. You know, yeah. is that I don't like fast food. I know it's hard to tell from my, my, my unique, small, little, petite body, but it's, I go to Chick-fil-A and I go to In-N-Out. It's pretty much the only fast food I'll ever eat. And why is because their culture, their food's good, but really they've got great service. You know, sure. even yeah. in times when other companies were failing a hundred percent, you know, during the shutdown, those two companies were managing it. It wasn't perfect, but because they'd done such a good job for so long at, at great interaction with their, with Velcro is that I was forgiving the couple times I had less than perfect service there because I knew what everybody was going through. And that's important because if you, if you've got such a high standard every once in a while, you fumble, you know, you trip up a little bit. Don't you think that the customers are going to be a less, a little less forgiving? Have you found that out a little bit? Well, it's just like relationships, right? Who forgives you most in your life? Probably your wife and your kids because they know you better. They know your character. And that's really what you're talking about with business. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, there are going to be errors from the best businesses in the world. It's just going to happen. Um, but it's having a foundation. And one of the things that that COVID has brought out is some people's lack of ability to deliver great service. And and I know it's hard. And so I don't want to, you know, get on a, a rant of people not delivering great service. For some people, it's just everything to keep the doors open. I, and I get that. But what happened is you see that, you know, a lot of people are leaving businesses. Some of them don't want to work. But some of them are leaving businesses because they weren't treated well. They, they didn't have a mission that was bigger than the paycheck. They didn't have an internal mm. culture that was worth staying on. You know, when these things happen in life, you start reassessing what's most important. And it comes down to relationships. And so a lot of what's happened that I think we're seeing people saying, you know, that job paid the bills, but I, they didn't treat me right. Or I didn't, you know, we were making widgets and I want to have a life bigger than that. And so... I think those are things that should sound the alarm when we think about exceptional service. What are, if you have employees, if you have people that are working for you, what are you giving them beyond, you know, a, a paycheck that is worth their time, their energy? And, and those are the things that kind of start propelling us in a, in a different direction because it's, it's service-based, right? It's not money-based. It's not, let's make some more dollars. It's more about how can I serve those around me? Like for, for you, Rennie, a lot of your um, your customers are, are also the people that work for you, right? And yeah. we all have customers. It's not just the people that, you know, do business with us. You know, some of it's our vendors, the people that, that we interact with. And how we interact with them says a lot about our character. And to your point, if we can develop those relationships, all of a sudden we start achieving more of this relational Velcro and it starts becoming a different thing. And all of us have... Pay places that we spend more money at because somebody takes care of us. My business tries to help your business be that business. So at the end of the day, people are coming to you. They're not worried. They're not hung up on price. So they can get it cheaper down the street. It's that Rennie always takes care of us. I trust Rennie with, with, with what I'm doing. It's that piece that you really sometimes can't feel like you can get your hands on, but this is part of this customer service piece. You just said one big word, trust. And I yeah. think that, you know, in most service businesses, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a, you know, it's an automotive related, you know, if you've gone in and bought a, a new vehicle, you can see 
some some of the brands, some of the big brands are really suffering. They went back to the to the seventies and eighties, you know, in in, in in high pressure, low service. Uh, it's a shame to see us go backwards. But then yet those shining stars, you know, the small percentage, uh, this truck right 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 there. Um, it was it came out of a, a wonderful relationship. And where do I go? When I think of anything that's got to be done, I'm thinking of that dealership because it was such a warm, pleasant experience from start to finish. What did that business do? It, that's leadership from top to bottom, bottom to top. They had a culture yeah. built that was completely through. Um, well, you know, my, my, favorite, my favorite leadership quote is, um, is th this idea of he that thinketh he leads, but no one follows only go with for a walk, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly you know, it. People have to yeah. be following you and you have to have that impact. And that is true leadership when you have people following what you're doing. I, I, I love watching from afar kind of all the things that are going on in, in your world and watching people kind of gather around you. What's really doing? And you're bringing character and you're bringing, you know, responsibility. You're bringing a whole different package than here's a way to make a few more dollars. And that's, so, that's the stuff. Well, and it's just like, you know, you, you, it, my biggest mission is, is uh, and I think this is important, this can translate into any business you're doing, is make an impact on people's lives, not just the service they're buying, but, you know, I don't want, you know, there's, it's 19 years old, this young man sitting, you know, right to my left, 19. I don't want him scarred up. I don't want him to be the old scarred up lion. I want him to be the old prettier lion, you know, and I want him to, to be fed and have a, uh, a, a, a massive pride at a much younger age. And I want him to have wholesome from the core happiness without the struggles that I had to go through to get that, to gain that. Um, I think you're much of the same stone, you know, is, is you wouldn't have done this. This is a, you know, it's, it's a, what a lot of people don't realize on a book, the, the labor of love, the return from selling it, it's not a moneymaker. You know, right. usually it's, you know, it's not a moneymaker. You're doing it for a reason. And I could see and feel your heart in this as I opened it up. It really, it really, it just, it's amazing. So the 17% factor, we got to dive into that. We got to yeah. get into that. You know, Let's go. that, that blew my mind when I heard this. And um, the 17% factor is basically a little bit what we've been talking about that according to American Express, if, if Chris and I, we're selling the same goods and services. And I was delivering good service, you know, acceptable service, but Chris was delivering exceptional service. According to American Express, people would pay Chris 17% more than they would pay me just based on service. Mm -hmm. And that, again, those are numbers that you can't ignore. And that's not even considering the re relational Velcro piece of it, but just the money part of it, the, the revenue that comes when you truly are delivering exceptional service. Now, there is no quick fix. There's no magic pill like, okay, we're going to do exceptional service, guys, gather around, let's do it. It's like anything else. It's it's one day at a time. It's it's really creating something unique to your business where you're personalizing experience and it's the intentionality has to be there. Just like any relationship that we have. Again, that's why I named the book Customer Relationship Imprinting because you know, I can be married for 30 years, but if I don't talk to my wife, it's just a piece of paper. So it's that regularly intentionality of, of spending time with one another, right? You know, this morning before we came here, you know, my wife and I, we read the Bible together. We prayed together. Like it's that stuff, right? That, that keeps awesome. us connected to, to the people around us. And so when we're looking at our staff and we, if we're just giving them direction, hey, make sure you do this. Don't forget that. We need to do it's It's a master slave relationship. But if you're trying to find out their passions and we all gravitate towards our passions and you're trying to support them and they know that you're not just trying to beat another dollar out of them, but you're trying to build them up. And that's really what you're doing. You talked about this, this young kid, 19 year old, he's watching and he's watching you. Oh, this is what you do. You build people up. You don't take from them. You know, my, my thing is life. I want to leave people better than I found them. Amen. And that's what, that's what you're about. That's what people that, you know, are kind of, making headway in this world, understand that it's really about serving others. You know, I'm a person of faith. So it's about, you know, me leaning into my, my, my faith in God and, and, and trying to translate that service mentality to anybody that I spend time with. So, but 17% no, so, should get your attention for sure. 
I'll tell you, you guys just do the math on what you do per year. I mean, math. I mean, name another category that you can make 17% on. Right there. Just from service. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's huge. And I'm, I'm real fortunate because Chris, you know, right here with me right now, um, Chris, my wife, my team, most of the people I do business with, we have that same philosophy. And so it's funny because the people that usually don't stick around in our group are the people that don't have that philosophy. And we're okay with that. Their philosophy is a little different. But it doesn't mean it's a bad philosophy. It just doesn't mesh with ours. And, and uh, not that ours is right. It's just right for us. Well, and uh, it works. You tap into one of the things that, that is one of the, the six pillars, if you will, the elements in this book is this idea of you have to nurture the culture. You're creating a culture and what you feed is what leads. At the end of the day, if you if you reward, you know, character, reward all that, that's the stuff that's going to get replicated. And if it's all about, like you said, the guys that don't stick around, they they're not part of your culture and that's OK. Um, so it's choosing you know, and sometimes, you know, entrepreneurs watch these sorts of things. Well, I don't have a big staff. Well, you're even in a better spot because you can really start your culture from the ground up. There you go. Yeah. There, and really the culture ends with you. If you've got Absolutely. one or two people, you, if, you've got the, if you've got the right seat, if you've got a good, you know, in, in, this, in this illustration, if you've got a company there where it's you and somebody else and, and you're making it work, right? But the person that you've got in that seat, well, you got the right seat, you got the wrong butt. Yeah. You know, you just gotta get you gotta do and maybe you even got the right the right booty for another job. Maybe that person's not right for that, you know, and this comes back something that, that Chris is really familiar with, you know. And so I I, I I love that. So service architects. You know, right go into that yeah. a bit, you know? Yeah, so it's interesting when you think about uh, and a service architect is really that person at your business. And if you're an entrepreneur, guess what? It's you like everything else, right? Yeah. Um, it's the person that champions the causes that we're talking about when it comes to service. They're the ones that live and breathe about service. They help the company understand how to correct the service deficiencies, to elevate the service they're providing. And so we call them service architects because architects have a unique place when it comes to a building site, right? They're able to see the project in reverse. They know what it's going to look like. You know, if you're like me, you drive by, you know, an empty lot, you see them start putting stakes in the ground and everything. You're like, well, what's that going to be? If they don't have a sign out front, you know, as the weeks go by, you're like, oh, it looks like a mall. Wait, no, it's not a mall. And you're trying to guess. The architect knows it down to every detail. And so that's the hope of a service architect is that you would become that person that has the vision. And in the book, I tell a story about this guy that had this vision, but he the people around him, they couldn't see beyond the rebar in the ground, right? They just saw, what's this guy building? He went and he, he tried to get funding for this big project he's working on. And every single banker just didn't get it. And they turned him down like, what are you doing? This is, this is ridiculous. He ended up, you know, turning his insurance uh, uh, money and, and funding it himself. And he ended up opening something amazing. In fact, uh, you and I have probably been there many times, Walt Disney, he could wow, see right? what we're talking about. Yeah. He could he could see beyond the rebar and he had a vision for what he was doing. Some people could see that he was building amusement park, but that wasn't what he was building, right? He in his mind, he was building the happiest place on earth. So a service architect needs to be able to step back and say, you may not see it now, but we want to build something that is beyond just dollars and cents. We want to build something that we're proud of. It's, it's gonna take time. Disneyland wasn't built in a day. Your exceptional service isn't going to be built in a day or a week. And so in the, in the book, we talk about this idea of you have to enlist and empower service architects. You have to give them. And again, if, if you're the entrepreneur, it's you. You need to set aside time each day to make sure that you're lining yourself up with where you want to be, what you want this thing to be built into when it comes to your service. So, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a key piece, right? If you don't have a service architect, then people are just out there hammering and building whatever they want. And you look around and say, what have we built? You know, right. So yeah. that that's a huge piece. If people can latch onto that and start understanding the power of, of what it means to be a service architect, because, you know, they're the ones that kind of see the picture uh, beyond what's currently there. So I love it. You know, I'll never forget this and relate it right back to that is that, 
I come out of a career. I told my wife, my family, everybody else, you know, I was going to go back into detailing. I love cars, right? I had this corporate job making really good money. Um, I had it made, expense account, travel, car, you name it. I had all the fancy stuff, right? But my soul was being stripped away from me one bite at a time. You know, it was just a, a prana. Wasn't a great white shark eating me. It was just a prana, one piece at a time. And I remember my brother walking out and he was going out. We lived in Idaho at the time. He's going out whitewater rafting. He goes, come on, man, stop with that nonsense. Let's go out and hit the, hit the river. I said, no, man, I got to work on this plan right now. I said, today was dedicated to this. And he goes, dude, what is this going to ever become? He oh. couldn't see. All he saw was the ditch work I laid out to your point. He, yeah. And now today, I just talked to him a few weeks ago, and I love my brother. And he's like, he's like, dude, I'm so proud of you. He says, you know, I just thought you know, it was going to be more of detailing. And he says, you know, I had no idea of this empire that, you know, you had vision. And, right. and it was small. And, and a lot of times, even my own small thinking got me locked into small results, you know. But slowly I ate away at it and uh, my soul was happy. You know, well, and, and I'm glad you said that because it's also some people look at it and say, well, I don't have the service vision. I don't know. And then that's, that's OK, too. But it starts there. Right. It starts with saying, OK, start drawing what this could look like and, and expand your thinking, expand what it could be. You know, put yourself around people that are big thinkers and, and challenge you to think bigger than than you currently do. And, you know, those are those are the pieces. Right. Dream, vision, plan, execute. You know, it's something I've lived off of for 30 years. And it's so important. So. Lastly, and I don't want to I don't want to share this with anybody because I want them to they got to get the book guys You know when I say get a book get a book um, Is I love the action items that you have at the back of the book, you know, the last the last um, The last little set where you say print this thing out Put them where you see it every day How important is that to see our goals, you know our mission in front of us? Obviously you put it in your book. You've got to think pretty highly uh, of that task. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, there, there's two things. Um, at the beginning of the book, after the first part, I tell people to rip this page out and send it to somebody because yeah. I, I want people to be thinking about these these things. And there's something about looking at something every day. And at the end of the book, it's basically here are these six things. And, and if you're like me and I look at those lists, I start thinking, OK, where am I at in that? And if we can critically think, it's not just having something up on the wall or having something you know, on our computer or something, you know, that we look at every day. If we can critically think about where we're at in that, take notes, how am I doing in this area? What, how can I expand, you know, what it means to enlist and empower service architects? What can I do to develop customer-centric employees? Like, it's critical because otherwise we're just, we're at the mercy of wherever the, the, the wave of the day takes us, right? But we're sticking something in the ground and we're cementing it in and we're saying, okay, regardless of what waves come, this is where I'm at today. And it's because I have these pillars that I'm working from. And so, yeah, for me, it's all, it's all about that. Right. I absolutely love that. It's so, yeah. so important. I've shared this before. It's every, every quarter at the beginning. So on January 1st, I wrote a letter to myself and it's just a small letter and it's really based into three, three characters. It's based into faith. It's based into business and it's based into my personal goals. And what I want to do is short. It's one page. But I want to open it up on April 1st. I can't exactly remember everything I put in there. But I, want, I challenge myself to succeed at these things. And That's I think great. it's so important to have something bigger than you and a reminder on the wall. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, a lot of people think it's silly. Um, I will tell you this. I've had some John Nordstrom's, you know, uh, of the Nordstrom family. John was one of our customers for a long, long time. We had conversations. And I said, you know, what's the, the, the biggest challenge that, that you've got? And he says, you know, keeping our staff happy. Because if mm -hmm. our staff is happy, our customers are happy. And he that says, keeping Absolutely. And I said, that's unreal. And then Jeff, uh, uh, the co-founder of, of, of uh, uh, Costco, was another customer of ours. Jeff Rotman wrote a, a, a book, and we're talking. And he asked me, when he's writing the book, Randy, what's one of the largest challenges of small business? The man payroll. I said, every two weeks are really, you know, it's all cash flow. It's getting the credit cards in, making sure people pay for you, having the balance, paying everybody. And it's what's the largest challenge in big business? He goes, payroll. 
is no different. We're all relative. He says, we have to take yeah. an extension of line of credit out every two weeks to make sure our nuts covered. And so big <laughs> business, small business. Listen, it's take great pride no matter what size business you are. You're in business. You know, love it. So, hey, you know, gosh, we could spend. I really want to talk to you offline. We have a, a main event. I've got goosebumps right now. We've got a main event in Vegas. I'd love to get you out there and speak to our group, really put a plan together, right. attack this thing. Uh, they're pretty serious entrepreneurs. But in the meantime, to, to those that are watching, I want to share something with you. Uh, and he didn't put anything mushy in there. We haven't seen each other in a, a long time. Um, you know, look at what came with it. I had a note with my book. You know, um, to me, what did I just do? Is Michael, I've always been proud of him and watching him. You know, I've admired him, you know. But when he sends this and then I get a book and it's signed and the, the content of the book is good, solid, great, fantastic. But when he does this, this makes this. This this could be an okay book, which it's not. It's it's over the top. But this right here makes this priceless because he connected with you. And so what's that tell you? He's practicing what he preaches. So how do people find the book? So they can they can go to my website, which is sixsidedservice.com. And they can get the book there. They can do Amazon or, or you know, Walmart, Target is kind of everywhere. Um, but I encourage people to go to the website because there's other other things that are there, some other free uh, uh, items there and other, other services that we provide that uh, would be good for them to look at. So, um, yeah, just go to sixsidedservice.com. And then what about social media? How do they follow you and all that good yeah, stuff? Yeah, same, same thing. Just, uh, you know, Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Six Sided Service, or Michael Barnett. You can find me either way. Um, but yeah, love to connect with, with, with your guys. You know, um, same, same with me. You know, it's been fun just watching you um, grow. You know, it, there's nothing like seeing people that you knew when they were young and just watch them catapult into greatness. And so it's fun to just watch. All that all that's happening in your life, and um, so glad you know you, you have an eighteen-year-old daughter today. How amazing is that? Your youngest. Exactly it was it, perfect because here you are, you know, a piece of my of my of my history, you know. And it's, I got to ask you this. Let's go. Let's go off this real quick. This would be kind of fun. What were you really into in, in, when you're in high school? What was your What was your passions? Oh my gosh, my passion! I I could guarantee you that I was going to be a rock star. Like yeah. I, I played drums. That's all I was about. You know, somebody, yeah. somebody told me, I, I was telling somebody I was going to be on the show with you and they, they didn't know you. And I said, Oh, you went to high school with them. What was it like? I said, well, just to put it in context, Rennie was on the football team and I was in the school band. So that was kind of, you know, that was kind of our thing. You know, he was, he was the guy out there making it happen on the field. And um, I, I was all about music and still love music. Uh, my oldest daughter's pursued a career in music. She's a worship leader. And I met my wife. Um, she was singing in an '80s metal band, and I was playing drums in a pop band. And we—I knew her guitar player, and that's how we met. So music oh, was so cool. definitely at the forefront. How about you? You know, um, I I love music more than anything, and so so much so that we had each one of our kids. We told them they had to get into performing arts, and all of our kids did very well with it. Our son, when he got into high school, he's a pretty serious athlete. And I said, "Well, it's the time that you." He fought me when he was in junior high. I don't want to get – I'm an athlete. Um, I really fit in with the band guys like you better than I did. I, I love my football friends, but I gravitated more towards you guys um, just because I, at the arts of it. So our son, two years later, and we told him he had – you know, he could, he could give up music, said, I'd rather give up football and wrestling. I'm sticking with the music. Yeah. So our whole family's been around. So, you know, still to this day, you know, the discipline of, of, of playing for Markham, you know, he's a pretty hard guy. I was a pretty small guy. It was a love-hate relationship. But honestly, one of my most proudful moments, uh, believe it or not, was the band. Um, I, always, I was in performing arts the whole time in high school. Um, and I loved stagecraft. And uh, I loved people. I thought I specialized in people. Um, I got along with the stoners. I got along with the gangbangers. Got beat up by them. Uh, and then I, I, I really gravitated towards just everybody. You know, I tried to be Switzerland. And uh, I think that carried through in my life. You know, well, and when, uh, wouldn't you say that the high school experience with you and football and performing arts, it tapped into two things. One, it gave you the discipline to do the things you're doing now or, or added to that discipline. And mm -hmm. two, just the creative quotient that comes in, in the performing arts. It, you know, 
I think we're both fairly creative people. It just taps into that vein. And again, people are drawn to their passions. So it's no surprise that you're doing the things you're doing at the level you're doing them and the way you're doing them. And at least in my world, it was the discipline that came through, you know, band practice every day or, you know, my own personal drum practice, like nobody's around. Tell me I need to practice. It's just what you do. I always look at those skateboard, you know, kids that are skateboarding. I think they're going to be all right because they know what it's like to fall off their skateboard and get back up. And, you know, absolutely. That moment, right. It is. And you, you just nailed it. It's the discipline you sit. You know, if you don't have discipline in your life, get it. it it's discipline is absolutely everything. But the second part of that is the creativeness. I think that anytime that you've got something in your mind, music does, I mean, still watching our, our two youngest daughters, you know, performing arts and on stage uh, their entire lives. Um, I got, those were the happiest moments of my life was watching our girls perform, our, our, our son perform, our oldest daughter perform. And it's carried through so much into their lives, not just in discipline, but enjoyment. That's you know, right. Which is yeah. Cool. And, and back to kind of the full, the full circle is it's really about relationships. You know, it it's about us enjoying the people that are in our circle and trying to expand that circle and, you know, and impact the world, right. With whatever it is that we're doing. And so, yeah, it's, it's it the relationship piece. Well, Hey, Michael, it's been, it's been better than I dreamed. Um, I want to yeah, get together too. with you. I'd love to have you and your wife come up and uh, be our guest up here. Uh, we'll get offline in the next, uh, uh, three four weeks and we'll start something see if we can't come together on getting out to vegas for our event uh, i think you'd really like the group and uh if if you, if you guys i'm telling you right now again um you know customer relationship imprinting um you've got to get this book it's incredible michael i want to tell you too this is really special i didn't tell you we started this podcast right before covid started and it went a different direction this is the launch episode for going back and riding ourselves in the direction we, 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 we thought it would be. And so it's, awesome. a, it's well, more successful, you know? And so thanks for being Thank here. Yeah. And uh, go Yellow Jackets. So uh, take care, <laughs> buddy. everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Chris, thanks for uh, sticking by us. Michael, thanks for going down memory lane. Uh, it always yeah. warms my heart to see you online. I uh, can't wait to engage you more. Thanks so much, brother. Really appreciate you it, Chris. It. Take care. Take care. God bless, man. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Right.